Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Confident Bitch Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Diamond. And I'm Jen. And today we are coming to you guys with a subject that's it's a bit tough because it has to do with family. It's always very tough when you are talking about family, when you are expressing your feelings in regards to family. And I know that family is the hardest group of people in our lives. They pretty much make or break us. They are the story behind who we are, how we think, how we speak, and the actions that we take in life. And I honestly feel like it doesn't matter if you're successful. That doesn't put a bandage over the wounds that have been inflicted upon family members. I think that the hurt either gets buried or it just escalates as we grow into adults. And the worst part of it all is trying to address a specific individual and them deflecting or just silencing or belittling their actions that have caused um, great impact in our lives. So as we always say in every podcast, neither Jen nor I go over any of the questions that we're going to ask one another in regards to any specific subject that we are talking about. And Jen, do you want to quickly go over the disclaimer? Of course. And as usual, for our disclaimer, neither Diamond or I have any type of psychology background. We are simply speaking from personal experience and some guidelines that my therapist has given me to help me through my healing journey. All right. So Jen, do you want to start out with your first question to me? Sure. So for you, uh, my first question is, what does an older sibling mean to you? I think that it's a lot of responsibility. I think that you are in a position where your younger siblings are looking up to you. They're looking at your actions. They're learning from you. I watched my seven-year-old and my newly 11-month-old is doing everything that she can possibly think to do to keep up with her brother. So whereas it took him probably one to start walking, she's already like right there at 11 months because she's literally trying to keep up with him. So I think when you fast forward that, just as we get older, I think that the younger siblings try to keep up in some sort of fashion with the older siblings. And I don't ever really think that it's the other way around. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Well, where do you fall in line with your siblings? I am the middle child. So I have a younger sister and an older brother. And I felt like that much when we were younger. But as we've gotten older into our 30s, I kind of feel like it's our job now to help each other out as much as possible. Are you close with your siblings? I'm close with my sister for sure. Not with my brother so much. All right. Well, let me ask you my first question, Jen. What is your place in your family's life? An example would be, are you the center where they place a lot of pressure on you? Or are you more of the black sheep of the family? Oh, I'm definitely the black sheep of the family. I'm the one that's always walked my own path, done my own thing. I was the first kid to move out of the house because after college, I didn't graduate. But I decided to move out of the house. My brother and sister both moved back home for a while. And I learned what it was like to live paycheck to paycheck. So I think now in those situations, my dad sees just book things I can handle every situation. So he doesn't need to check up on me as much. And I get it because I've definitely played that role a lot. But I think sometimes just because we're strong doesn't mean that you need to stop checking in on your child, no matter how old they are. But what makes you a black sheep? 
Oh, I was the wild child growing up. I partied, I drank a lot. I think I was more positioned that way with certain dynamics within the family. Uh, like with my stepmother, I think she wanted me to almost always be the bad child. So she would put emphasis on anything that I did wrong or and just take away any kind of spotlight from me. And as an adult, do you think that that has affected you in a major way? Whereas when you are amongst different social groups, you feel like the outcast? Necessarily. When it comes to friends group, I've real like once I moved out of my parents' house and everything, I realized I've become the more outgoing one that I can talk more. I've learned to be able to have conversations with just about anybody because I don't know if it was my family dynamics that made me have to learn to take on different roles in terms of having a conversation with people, but I can just perhaps even understand what it's like to not fit in. So I try to make everyone fit in and feel welcome. Okay. My second question to you is, at some point, do you think being the older sibling loses the meaning that it has and you become more on the same playing field? Like your responsibilities or being the older sibling now, do you think it still holds the same weight as it did when you were younger? It's just myself and my younger brother, who's he's four years younger than me. We're both in our 30s. I don't think that I've necessarily lost the role of being an older sibling. I definitely think that he looks to me for certain types of guidance that I probably would not look to him for. And it probably has to do with the, just the difference between the roles, the difference between me never necessarily looking up to another sibling and just being the leader. I don't think that I've lost the dynamics, but I also like personally just don't feel like I hold a certain type of responsibility for those dynamics. So I'm not like, I don't walk around like, oh, well, I'm the oldest and you know, you need to listen to me and I, I have more this and that. I kind of weigh maturity. I kind of weigh self-value off of experiences. I don't really look at roles per se as value in a way. I really solely base it off of people's experiences, life experiences. Okay. All right. Let's get into number two. Okay. What type of person have you become because of who raised you? Are you a peaceful a happy, guarded, defensive, for an example, kind of person? I, I would be all of the above, honestly. I, I've learned to be the older sibling in terms of I can be the person my sister comes to when she needs someone to talk to. I'm always the one that's willing to listen, willing to help out, willing to see if I can help you resolve the situation in any way. But when it comes to me, I am more guarded, or at least I used to be. I feel like I'm slowly letting that guard down. Because I don't like talking about my childhood or my experiences in my life. So I, and it makes people uncomfortable. So I don't really go into my side of things, but I'm happy to hear other people's side of things and give a little bit of wisdom if I have any in that area. So you're saying that you're a guarded person and that is what has been from the people who raised you. They've made you feel that way. Yeah, I would say for sure. Especially with my yeah. stepmom, I was made to feel like I didn't really matter and my feelings didn't really matter. So I know my dad, that was never his intention to make me feel that I needed to be guarded the whole time. But it was constantly me being scared of what I could and could not say in front of my dad or in front of other people. So I'm definitely more guarded and paid closer attention to what I'm seeing in front of certain people and what I'm not saying. Did you feel safe? 
definitely not. No. I mean, if my dad was home, I did. But other than that, not really. No. So you had to grow up in a very uncomfortable position. Definitely. It was far from ideal, but I can't go back and change the past. Right. So I'm, I try to use those experiences to benefit me and like today or in my regular day to day life, which I think the more I've been through therapy, the better I've learned at handling it. Because like, for example, if you have a parent that you feel like is always disappointed in you, can never see the real good in you, then even when you start working, it kind of affects you in that way. In terms of, I was always worried that my managers were going to be upset with me or disappointed in me. I wasn't doing, wasn't trying hard enough, even though I would be trying my hardest. And then my therapist says, maybe all your negative energy that you keep saying all these negative things that maybe you're going to lose your job, maybe your boss isn't like you, you cause it to come into reality because and people can sense that about you. So that's why you're not as praised as much or um, seeing the hard work, all the hard work you do as opposed to more the negative stuff you do. We think your dad didn't protect you. I think for my dad, it was easier not to. It was just easier in terms of the family dynamics, in terms of the arguments, how it was for the entire family involved. It was just, I don't know what the best solution would have been, but my stepmom's a lot of things. So that's really all I can say on that. Would you say that your dad prioritized your stepmom over his kid? Definitely, definitely. But I think that's because they both believed that they needed to prioritize their significant other over their kids, like their children's happiness or whatever. It would be my number three now. Do you ever feel like your younger sibling owes you anything for everything you've done for them up until this point? No, nothing, nothing. I don't want anything from my brother. I just want him to be happy. I want him to live his life full out where he has no regret. I do believe that my brother blames myself and mainly my parents. I did have a conversation with him yesterday and it had to do with a lot of deep things, deep rooted issues. He did say that he doesn't really blame me for anything. I just think that sometimes I get lumped in with my parents, things that he blames them for. And so honestly, I've more so taken the role where I've only focused on wanting to prioritize his mental health and just and emotional intelligence and just helping him understand that you can't change the generations that have come before us. Okay, but do you believe, like, based on our conversation the other day, I can understand sometimes as the older sibling or just as like a sibling in general, because sometimes my sister is there for me a lot more than I am for her, that she's not providing that backbone for you, that assistance to you, that shoulder you can always for sure i don't think that my brother is there for me in the same capacity that i am for him i'm just at a point as i'm getting older i'm a mother of two i'm getting to the point where i just feel like time's up i'm tired so i believe it may have been question one or two where i asked you where do you find yourself placing your family do you feel like you're the center do you feel like you're the black sheep well i'm the opposite i'm the center And I've, God forbid, anything happens to me, but I do feel like my family will fall apart. And I feel like each one of them come to me very differently. That understands perspective or that at least tries to get them all to understand perspective so they never get to a disrespectful place, especially being that close knitted as a family. But when it comes to my brother, to go back to now your current question, I don't think that he's there for me the same way that I'm there for him. 
have you ever asked him to be? I've never asked him to be. I've never told him that I needed him. I think that there's a certain type of expectation I would think you would naturally have for your sibling. But I just feel that there's some selfishness there. It's just a focus, focus, focus. I need you to pay attention to me. And there's a disregard or a dismissal, almost a little bit of some damage to my confidence when I was younger, not now. He has contributed to why I've had to fight for so many years to just get back to who I am, what I love. I just addressed him about it yesterday. I had to tell him, I have something that you did to me 12 years ago. And it's a, that was 12 years ago. Like you haven't moved on from it. And I think that the more and more that I helped him understand you're no different and what you're doing in your own life and even just seeking two therapists, one wasn't good enough. You have to get a second one. That's some real deep rooted shit. You're unpacking that you feel one can't do and you need the perspective of someone else. So I think that once I really helped him to understand that when it comes to a person holding you to a high regard and you letting them down or you hurting them, I think that the best thing to do is just acknowledge and hear them out. I don't really think that you have a stance to tell them that they can't feel the way that they're feeling. I agree with you completely there, but my therapist and I, and I have discussed expectations and how it's not realistic to have expectations. And that's kind of a personal problem because we expect people to be on the same emotional level that we are. Do you think you're being a little judgmental to your brother because you think he's in therapy with two therapists and should be quote unquote fixed? He's not. I think that's kind of the thing with therapy. You're never fully fixed. And it's about you taking accountability too. Yes. But do you judge him for having two therapists? I don't judge him for having two therapists. I believe in therapy. I believe that I would tell anybody, I, I believe in medication. I've been on antidepressants. So those things I am an advocate for, do what you need to do that is healthy in order for you to heal. What I have a problem with is why are you in therapy? You're in therapy. And specifically him, you're in therapy to unpack years of trauma or years of feeling a certain way. And you have two therapists to help you with that. Who are you to belittle what I'm saying you did to me 12 years ago? But you're not going to the people that have caused you trauma. You're going to a therapist. And the reason you're not going to the people who have caused you trauma is the reason why I've never mentioned to you what you did to me 12 years ago, because you're belittling the fact but that. Isn't that. I mean, that, that sounds pretty aggressive towards him, though, because I don't think going to therapy means you can't talk to the people that you want to talk, talk to people about whatever you used to talk about, because I think in their mind, they will always see the way they think they want to see things, remember things the way they want to remember things. And yes, in therapy, you're telling them only your point of view. But the therapist's goal should be, at least, for you to understand that it's not just about you. Yes, you suffered through all of this. Your siblings suffered as well. But how can you move past that to come to a higher ground? So where's the aggression? You just seem upset, like angry with him for having two therapists and going to therapy. Why does he need therapy? Because I, you don't need therapy. 
I think you're missing the point. I never said that I didn't need therapy. I'm saying you are going to see a therapist to unpack trauma. The reason you're not going directly to the people who have caused it is for the same reason why I did not go to you and you caused my trauma. It's because you know that they're going to deflect. They're not going to take accountability. So you're now getting it out with your therapist. For an example, in this specific situation. I didn't choose to go to a therapist. I'm not knocking that you chose to go with one. I chose to go directly to the source, which is you. But a lot of people, they have that fear. People that have been raped by family members, people who have been molested, they don't address. A lot of times you go through life and you don't address the people that have done that to you, but you'll go to therapy, but you don't address it out of the fear. So that's why I'm saying, where's the aggression? And where is the me being judgmental when I feel I'm the one that's like, okay, it's the same situation. We're just choosing to go about it two different ways. I'm choosing to actually deal with the person who caused the trauma. But that doesn't make your way over his way any better. But I didn't say that. I never said that. But it's what you're, it sounds like what you're saying when you're like, you're going to therapist because you're too scared to talk to people directly. Because that's not what therapy is about. And I understand completely because I know I need to confront people in my life. I get it. I totally do. But I think he needs to understand through his therapy more about himself, why he feels the way he feels before he can go confront those people. In the moment, I was addressing him about something that before I even said anything to him. And I was never going to say anything You actually heard the hurt that I had. Yes. What I was going to do was not even address it and just, just bury it. But I was going to cut myself off from just my everyday interactions and dealing with him to protect my peace. So that I could. Is that really protecting your peace though? Or is that you just holding things in so you don't have to deal with the situation because I'm proud of you for going to talk to your brother about it. I feel like you guys did come up with some kind of resolution or solution for it. But what I've learned through holding stuff in is that I always thought I was protecting me or protecting my family. So we didn't have to have drama, but I'm holding that all in. So I'm holding on to the resentment inside. So you're asking me now, Am I really protecting myself or am I just holding something in? But then you're saying to me on the other hand that, well, you're attacking him. Okay, so this is where I think there's a lot of issues just amongst people in general. It's one or the other. Either you're going to continue to bury, just bury the hatchet, let something go, or you're going to address it. So you said that. I was aggressive towards him in his therapy in a judgmental way. I'm sitting here trying to explain that he took no accountability. He belittled the situation by saying, but that was so many years ago. I'm not judging him having a therapist or two. I'm saying you're going to therapy to handle things the way you want to handle it. And that's fine. You're not choosing to go directly to the people who've caused your trauma because you know that they're aggressive and they're not going to take accountability for what they've done to you. And they're going to say, well, it happened to me. If it happened to me, I turned out fine, but they never broke the cycle. I'm coming to you. You can't judge me now. 
for coming to you and saying, I'm hurt because of this is what you did to me. You can't say, well, that happened 12 years ago. I don't know. And what he said, I I don't know what you want me to do with that. I don't believe in, I would never give anybody the advice to be the bigger person, but yet continue to be a glutton for punishment. No, and I I think that's the big difference though. That's something my therapist has taught me. And that's when her and I would get into probably Well, one-sided arguments because she was fine and I was the one that was upset. But my expectations of people, my expectation when I confront you about this situation and you're not responding in the way I want, that's my problem. It's unfortunately not their problem. It is their problem in terms of recognizing how they're behaving, analyzing it and see what they can do about it. But at the end of the day, it's all our own personal responsibility to not have expectations out of people and how they respond to us. Not, and unfortunately, it's super difficult. And it's probably one of the most difficult things I've had, I've had to learn and work through. Because sometimes it's still something I have to work through because I still have expectations out of people. And sometimes they just can't deliver on it. What my therapist taught me is that's okay that they can't love you the way you want to be loved. They're only able to love you the way they love you and themselves. You can't downplay how a person outside of therapy comes to you and say, you've hurt me. You can't bring up your techniques and your puzzles of how you have pieced together things for yourself with the guidance of your therapist to a person in saying that, well, I feel like you don't necessarily have the emotional intelligence that I have now since I've been in therapy. It was just about me helping him understand that you have traumas and you've chosen the route of therapy instead of going directly to the people who've caused it. I have chosen the route of going directly to the people who've caused it and either saying, listen, in order for me to continue to have a healthy relationship with you, you have to know that These are my triggers and these are my boundaries. And the other day, I may not have said anything right then and there because I'm not going to talk to you when I'm highly upset because I may say something that I know I wouldn't say once I've calmed down from the situation. I'm more rational, but I'm going to let you know this now and moving forward, we cannot have a healthy relationship or I won't continue to show up in this relationship where I'm making you comfortable and you're making me uncomfortable. And I agree with you there. I think boundaries are extremely important. My only issue was that him going to therapy has nothing to do with the situation in terms of how he chooses to handle the situation. It's not an excuse for him or expectation that he should handle the situation better because he's in therapy. Because all of the, the whole point of therapy is figuring out how you communicate, what your issues are, and how you can reach that. Therapy does have something to do with because either you're in therapy to learn, to to get past certain things or to learn how to better handle certain things. And if you can't apply it when a situation outside of your therapy session comes about and you revert right back to your old ways. But you're always telling me that my therapist said this or that's interesting that you say say this because I just had this exercise with my therapist. Then how can I come to you thinking that you're more mature than the last version? I don't think therapy makes people more mature until they're 
ready to deal with this. I straight up told my therapist, call me out on my BS. Tell me when I am being the issue. But so many therapists I've had in the past, they allow that same behavior to continue. Nothing is ever your fault. It's always someone else's fault. And you have to get real with your therapist if you want to see real progress and change. So I can't understand why you're not finding a solution to this issue when I'm talking to someone else about the issues that they have. What I'm still working on with my therapist is getting past that where it's not always my opinion that matters. Yes, you set boundaries and you've told your brother, this is moving forward. I won't, I can't be there for you if you can't step it up or whatever you said to him in terms of like being there for you, which is good for you. But all that means that moving forward is that you stick to your word and you take care of you and you're not there to allow him to belittle you and treat you poorly because he might continue to act like that, but that's not your problem. It may hurt you, but it's not your problem. So when he goes to therapy, obviously he's talking about specific things and events that has happened to him. He wants you to be straight up or he will fire you. Like he don't want you like being his best friend and holding his hand. He want he's paying you to help him get better. This is what I told him yesterday. I thought that you and I have been doing really well in just our relationship overall. You have a short fuse and anything can take you from zero to 100. So when I brought up a certain topic that we were talking about and I just gave my opinion and my opinion differed so much from you where it made you feel like you needed to belittle me. You made me feel incompetent. You have to be patient with people. You have to respect people's opinions and understand that everyone has one and that yours isn't the end all with a period. But when I just had an opinion, you just made me feel like an asinine fool. In that moment, you made me stay. I mean, you went from zero to 10, even from your volume. And so you made me say, hey, you know what? I'm in the middle of doing something. I'm going to call you back. And I never called you back because I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to allow you to take, to take one phone call of me just really calling you to see how you were doing and to catch up with you. And let's have, just have some different conversations in between. And then I answer something in the way that you did. And he said that to me, he said, I, I just expected you to answer in a certain way, et cetera. That's why therapy is so interesting because it can, my therapist decided to go hard as heck on me when I said, don't BS me anymore. To the point where there would be many days where I would not want to speak with her about it. And we still have issues where... I'm complaining about something and she's like, so again, those are your expectations and they didn't meet your expectations. So why are you so upset? So I think it's about how much progress you've made with your therapist, but also with yourself, how much you can look at yourself in the mirror, see who you truly are as a person, why you have those expectations, but understanding that it's no one else's job to make that meet those expectations for you. I think okay. it's just a never-ending process sometimes. Well, now that we've 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 had this long dialogue about number three, maybe <laughs> I would like for you to go back and address how do you feel that I was aggressive to him about being in therapy? Because maybe it was just the way you said it to me. But when you're like, you don't have one, but you have two therapists, that makes it mm-hmm. seem like he should be able to figure his life out by now. But you could have a million therapists in the world until you're ready to face yourself and be truthful and understand who you are 
why you react to things the way you are and decide that you are going to change that, no therapist in the world is going to help. You have to come to that conclusion on your own because the therapist wants you to keep talking. So at some point they are, they may not be quote unquote babying you, but at some point they're going to see how you can understand the situation and how they can treat a quote unquote help you through it. But some people are just never willing to take accountability. And that's the issue in terms of like, they don't want to take accountability and therapy. It's all about basically all your problems are your own fault. And how are you going to move past it? Okay. So for the listeners out there, I just want to say as far as me personally, and you know, we can agree to agree, agree to disagree respectfully. I'm at a point in my life where I don't have patience to stay in the process with a person who expects me to keep them comfortable while they keep me uncomfortable. When you tell people that you're in therapy and then you go through groundwork that you've been doing and how you've come to your aha moments and you've realized certain things, but then you get tested. When you get tested and if you refer back to what you're in there trying to help you sort out, but you revert back to your toxic ways. The other person does not have to receive you in a way that you feel that you should be received. I'm so miserable every day I wake up. Like, what is it that I'm doing wrong that I can focus on so that I can stop delaying my happiness? I'm not a person that's willing anymore in my life to be a glutton for punishment. And I I know that some people may not agree with me, but that's just where I am. No, and I understand where you're coming from. And I think just the hardest part for me that I've learned in therapy because I chose to learn it in therapy. Being in therapy is supposed to be protect to get you to realize how life really is or how you handle life and how your actions affect other people and how the only person that can make you happy is yourself. But that's totally off topic. I don't even know what I was about to say there. Therapy is difficult and some people are just never going to be ready to face the truth about their behavior ever. And they can be in therapy for 5 million years and they're never going to figure out that they are the issue. Because my therapist straight up told me, you are the issue, Jeanette. You are the issue. If you want things to change in your life, then you have to change. So I learned that I couldn't blame anyone else for anything that I had to figure out why I'm upset. What did I do in the situation? And how can I resolve this to make me happy? So let me ask you this. This is my takeaway from this particular dialogue with you. Is that two things from a person who's not in therapist versus a person that's in therapist. A person that's outside of therapy should not hold you guys. Just because I'm in therapy does not mean that I am those or fixed. It's just a stepping point into the direction of what I have not been taught or what I have not seen and doing. And it's from an unbiased party who can come in and just like feed me examples of how I should go about handling my traumas or just handling future situations. When you're in therapy, you do these certain exercises that would just help to mature the way that you think and the way that you process things. This is not between me, you, and your therapist. This is between me and you. And so far, it doesn't seem like you've gained a whole lot of insight 
because you're deflecting, you're not taking accountability. And I'm thinking with you being in therapy, they also teach you how to take accountability because I can't teach it to you because you don't listen to me. You think I don't know anything, but you hold your therapist to a certain standard or level of respect that if she says the same thing, and this is another thing I go through, I can say something, but the therapist says something and it's golden. But it's the same thing that I said, but this therapist said it with licenses behind to support that she or he said it. And it's like, but I said it and mine just come from street smarts or just having life instead in and experience it. And so that's where I think it's like, it, it's just when you say judging, I think it goes both ways. Oh, I totally agree. I think in an ideal world, going therapy, you're able to figure out and handle your emotions better and understand a situation better. But the reality is, until you've reached that part in your healing journey, you're not going to get any better at that stuff. You are going to be defensive about whatever someone has to say to you. And then your therapist says it to you, and suddenly it's okay when they say it to you. But that, for me, is part of the healing process of learning that just because someone says something to you, it's not necessarily criticism. It's just look at it from a different perspective. Because you're her sister. You obviously don't want to hurt him. So it's just about changing your perspective. And that's something I really had to go through because it really drove me crazy when my therapist would just not tell me I was right. And I was the issue. I could not figure out what's happening. But it's just really learning to change your perspective on things. And that's sadly something that it takes a lot of people a very long time to get to. Yeah. And it's always worse when it comes to family. It's because your love goes deeper and you know that you are always, no matter how much you want to cut a person off, no matter how much you want to not communicate with them or deal with them, like it just goes back to, but that's my mom, but that's my dad, but that's my sibling, but that's my grandma. But is it okay though, as individuals to like, at the end of the day, we're accounted for ourselves individually. Once we become an adult, you have to go do the time. And so it boils down to just overall, but we can't keep on giving that excuse because it's my mom, it's my dad, it's my sibling. Nope, I agree with you completely because my therapist said that to me one day. I was complaining about how I can't say that to my parents because I'm the child and they're the parent. And she's like, at some point, you need to understand you are an adult, but that's my grandmother. But that's my dad is no longer on the topic. And both parties have to just understand that if they're not willing to understand that that's their problem. Okay. So Jen, here's my number three to you. Have you addressed head on the traumas and the person you feel you've become from it to the actual person that you make responsible for causing it? And if you have not, do you feel it's because they may deny you of it? They may make an excuse and just shut you down and basically belittle your pain. I have addressed some people head on. Others I've addressed as far as I believe that they can emotionally handle it. I think I've come to the understanding that I can't keep focusing on all of the trauma that caused me to be the way I am because that person will never ever understand the pain that they put me through. And that's just me having expectations out of them. So for me, 
is I addressed who I could to a certain degree. And I've also come to the understanding that this is who they are as a person. They won't be able to give me any more than this. And I have to either be willing to accept this level of love or apology or take a step back and just say, I I don't want this in my life anymore. (sighs) You said something that makes me feel like I do this too. What are you worried about? When you say I've addressed some things, but with limitation, because I don't basically feel that that person can emotionally take. Why do we do that? Why is it okay for someone to cause us a great deal of pain? How much we spoon feed them with the truth and what they've done to us and the great deal of the effect that it's had. And how we still struggle and many, many moons later because of that specific event. Why do we do that? I think it's for a lot of reasons. I think it's in a way to protect ourselves. I think part of emotional intelligence is understanding that just because you are able to comprehend those feelings and do whatever it takes to make this situation better does not mean that the other person will ever be at that level of emotional intelligence where they'll be able to live it with themselves knowing how much hurt and pain they've caused you and address it the way you need it to be addressed. The sad part is some people just are not emotionally equipped that way. And maybe it's part of how they were raised or people spoon fed them their whole lives. But I I've just learned that just because I'm ready to get everything off my chest and tell you exactly how I feel, if you're not at the point in your own healing journey where you're ready to sit back and listen to what I have to say about the traumas, the pain that I've gone through at your hands, then you're never going to hear what I have to say. And that is something I have to come to terms with as well. Sometimes the other person that hurt you is just never, ever going to either acknowledge they hurt you or take accountability for it or even understand why you're so hurt by the things that they did. Okay, so... Have you discussed, um, I guess, based on your last conversation with your brother, the type of relationship you're looking for with, with your sibling? No. Yesterday, when we had a conversation, he asked me, how can I be better? How can I be more supportive to you? I think that I'm all out of solutions. I've been going through this for years, over 10 years, I've given solutions. I've tried to help him understand what I feel is important as far as respect level, what I feel is important in like my love language, how, how I should be loved. I think that if you have a different love language than me, then I, I think it's very important that I love you according to your love language, not according to mine. I said yes, but that is because you have the emotional intelligence to understand that. Sadly, not everyone has that. No matter how, in an ideal world, everyone would. But unfortunately, some people will never be able to wrap that around their minds. Well, that's another reason why I, you know, my parents have been either maybe 34, 35 or 36 years of marriage. And you would think someone that comes from that background wants to mimic that. And unfortunately, I just have no desire. Neither my brother nor I, we're both in our 30s, are married. Most people don't love their significant other 
according to the way their significant other needs to be loved. They love you a lot of times in two ways. They love you with conditions. And those conditions is on the contingencies that you don't do X, Y, and Z. That's one way. And another way is they love you only based off of like how they feel they want to love you. I think that is spot on where we all try to love someone the way we want to be loved. But that's not, not we all, because a lot of people, I should say, try to love people the way they want to be loved personally. But that is your own love language. It's not the way someone else wants to do it. So like what my therapist says to me is that you need people in your life who can understand your love language and are willing to love you the way you want to. Because some people, no matter how many times you tell them 50 to 50 ways till next year that, no, this is not how I want to be loved. I want to be this loved this way. They will never understand it. And that's something that, unfortunately, you have to understand. Are you willing to accept their love the way they want to give it to you or not? Yeah. And so to answer your question, no, I did not tell him specifically what it is that I yearned from him. And the reason why is because he's more of a very analytical person. So he doesn't like surface conversation. He likes in-depth, very thought-provoking type of conversation. So when it comes to him, he doesn't care for you to even call him if you want to be on some type of rush energy. If you can't take the time out to dive into his day, he doesn't, there's no stimulation. I can understand that too, because I have a hard time having regular conversations with people. Like if you call me just to see how I'm doing half the time, I'm like, I mean, I'm good, but I don't know what else you love me to say after that. Are you good? It is about the love language and how you communicate. And that's it, unfortunately. So let me jump into number four with you. Yes. What advice would you give the adolescent version of yourself now as an adult? How would you help prepare her for what you're going through now? I would tell me to be more confident in myself, to believe in myself, and to understand that I deserve the best. All this love with whatever, whether it's a friendship, relationship, a marriage, parent-child thing, I deserve whatever level of love I believe that I do because I do deserve it. And I should not have to make myself feel smaller to make other people feel more important. And I'm not asking for too much, which sounds probably ridiculous. Like I'm the neediest person on earth, but I think sometimes we make ourselves feel so small and believe that we're not deserving of that love, that that's the type of love we begin to receive. Because we think we are asking for too much. But if you're asking for it, I would think I I would tell the younger me, you're not asking for too much. They don't deserve you. Or you deserve to be treated with more respect and better. But also stand up for yourself. Understand your worth. I think a big part of it is just understanding your worth and what you're willing to tolerate. Because I've tolerated a lot because I was scared of losing people. But they should be scared of losing me too. I really like you deserve to be put on a pedestal. You deserve to be loved correctly. And that's what I was trying to basically say to you. And I think number two, when we were going back and forth is that I am not going to show up 
anymore in your life to only make you comfortable while I'm sitting here uncomfortable. When I leave, when I leave the conversation from, I feel empty. I feel, I feel like, damn, I wish this was the time that I finally said something. And, you know, let this day turn into 12 years later. And that's what I mean. And, you know, our podcast is called The Calm Fident Bitch. And I always say I'm definitely that bitch part because I had to grow into that. If not, oh my gosh, I would just, I just wouldn't have the sanity that I have now. Yes, for sure. What about you? What what advice would you give your younger self? Well, I'm going to piggyback off of you. The main issue that I have with my brother, it's the whole confidence. I wish 12 years ago, what he did particularly to me, if he did that to me now, 12 years later, it wouldn't penetrate me the way it penetrated me 12 years ago. And that was lack of confidence. And I had a conversation with my father and I told him the situation. And so my father said to me, he said, one, never let anyone talk you out of your dream. You never let anyone talk you out of something you're passionate about. You never let anyone belittle your God-given talents or your God-given intuition. You just never do that. And obviously I can't grab back the past, but what I can do is I can just soar from it moving forward. One of the things that bothers me so much is I'm, I'm tired. I'm older. I sometimes don't feel like I have the same energy. I just feel like I just missed a train that I was on. I was doing well with where I let that particular situation just completely just get me off track. And I think sometimes you have to give the other person time to catch up to you because you're on a different emotional playing field. You're different in a different part phase of your life. And until sometimes someone is faced with a, that kind of specific situation, they will never understand how much words can mean to someone and destroy something or build you up or build you down. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is a good one. Since we can't go back and change our past, what are you willing to do to let go that pain was brought upon you? Like the pain that your brother brought upon you or well, um, it's come back full circle. So the specific thing that um, I'm talking about, it, it's come back full circle. So now I'm diving back into it. Yeah, 12 years later, much more tired, much more older, much more responsible. But I'm willing to put the work in. I'm willing to do what I have to do to see that particular dream come into my reality. I spoke to him about it to get it off my chest. I no longer have that in me anymore. because. I finally did, like I said, with your words of encouragement and saying, maybe you you should have a talk. And I never felt to have a talk because I know that my family is a little bit on the aggressive side and not taking accountability for anything. And so that's what I did. And I think that that's a stepping, I think that that's me stepping into the right direction and just me at the end, it, it took over an hour, but he took accountability. And the best thing for you is you were able to get your words out. And now you don't have to carry that burden with you anymore. And unfortunately, we can't control how the other person is going to react to what we have to say. No, no, that's my answer to that. Okay. All right. But my last question to you, Jen, okay, 
this is going to be a little bit deep. This is something that you don't want to talk about because it's very personal and it's hurtful. So you mentioned in a previous episode that you lost your mother at childbirth. What would be some things you would like to tell her if you could have the opportunity to meet her? Have you ever thought about that? I would tell her about my life, but I think part of me, my problem, like why I know I'm not completely done with therapy is because I would want her to tell me that she's proud of me. And that I'm not a disappointment. Like I would want those words of encouragement from her. So it would be because in my mind, she's always looking down on me. She sees everything going on in my life. So just to hear that she's proud of me, I haven't disappointed her. Yes, I've done some not so great stuff in my life, but she can see how hard I've worked to become what I've become. So I don't know necessarily all the questions. Maybe I would ask her for some advice in terms of like if she could go back in time and change things, especially. Since she lost her life at such a young age, what would she have done differently? But I don't know. That's something I haven't really sat on for too long because that's just fantasy life for me, I guess. But I don't know. Do you daydream? I used to. Not much anymore. I was told to stop daydreaming. I was daydreaming too much. When, when it comes to daydreaming, I just I daydreamed about my Tesla. I'm just saying that's just a vague example, but that's an example. If I can afford to get a Tesla, I... I'm going to be successful. And it's just a certain persona and it's just a certain look and I daydream. And I ended up getting it like about six months after that. But I think that it's just a preview. When you daydream, it's just a preview of what you want your reality to be. I don't think anyone should ever be told. Obviously, if you're in school and it's like you're not doing your test because you're daydreaming, you're drifting away. But I just couldn't imagine telling my kids if they're just in a moment of just thinking about something and fantasizing the, themselves in a, in a different place or whatever, especially if it's for like the greater good. But that's why I'm excited to see our generation and the children that we raise and the next set of generations and how they raise their children. Because now we are finally learning to understand your emotions matter, your feelings matter, your mental health matter, your dreams. You should be able to dream as much as you want to dream. But I think because I think for so many of the generations behind us, it was less about the dream and more about surviving, you know? So for so many of them, they're like, I don't know how you're daydreaming right now. You need to get it together so you can do whatever you can need to do to survive in life. But I don't want to survive or just survive. I want to be happy. This has been really good. This has been very insightful. It's always good to be in a conversation that's stimulating, that's just not one-sided or just in general. You have a different perspective, it's not going to change my feelings towards you. I'm going to challenge you if I feel like, well, but I don't agree. That's going to happen. But I still feel it's how we grow by challenging one another. There's no need to ever, you know, not respect someone else's opinion because we all have one. So till next time, please feel free to comment, leave a message. I think in Spotify now, you can actually say what you like about our episodes but all of our links will be linked below on youtube and i'll have the social media clips ready as soon as possible next episode guys bye bye